Footy Ado, the Delusional Soccer Podcast. Footy Ado, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. Welcome, and if you are listening to Footy Ado, this is good old uh, Zach Raymond joined by a special guest this week. It's we are joined by the theater thug. The theater thug. Whoa! Just take it easy, man. Oh my gosh! Is that not you? I'm, it, it feels like it is. If you're it's... not the theater thug, why do I have to send you that gift ten times a day? I do not know. And most importantly, why are you robbing all those movie theaters? No comment. That's good. You, your your lawyer's next to you, isn't isn't he? Or she? I don't know. Women can be lawyers. Apparently, that's a that's a fact we've learned from uh, Katie Deeds. God bless this entire country. This is a nightmare. This intro is a nightmare. Everything we do is a nightmare. So what's the point of redoing things? Uh, plenty sure. of football to discuss. Plenty yeah. of uh, big incidents this week. Uh, some that make me want to jump out of my own skin. Some that maybe uh, a, a little mind-blowing, a little record-breaking. And uh, some that cost me uh, a good a good amount of money. Looking at you, Everton. Looking at you. You garbage football club. Everton, you're basically Watford, but worse. Let's start with the biggest game of the week. We have a Liverpool 2, Tottenham 1. A comeback win for Liverpool at Anfield, and they stay unbeaten this season. Uh, Kane scores for Spurs in the first minute off of a rebound. Um, But Jordan Henderson gets his first goal at Anfield in nearly four years. And Salah with the decisive penalty. Um, was it really ever in doubt for Liverpool that they would uh, at least take a point from this game, even though they conceded in the first minute? Um, well, the thing is, the thing Liverpool, as they've shown so far this season, is why they're the top of the league. They're such a hard team to beat. But having, having dropped points against um, Man United uh, on the last match day, Going down early to Spurs, a team that is struggling this year, really needs to find a good performance to get their their confidence back up, to get their momentum back, to really save their season. Um, going down to them as, you know, you could say that Spurs ended up scoring too early because it gave there was so much time. You never, I I watched the game and I was thinking to myself, there's so much time for like Liverpool are going to be fine. But there's also that thought creeping in the back of my head, are they really going to start doing this again, what they did last season, which is just draw a bunch of games, drop points, and let City back into the title race. Uh, but they did not do that this time. Uh, they got they got their goal um, from, from Jordan Henderson, and then, of course, Sadio Mane earned the penalty that, that Salah finished. Um, <laughs> Jordan Henderson and Adam Lallana... Uh, scoring big goals in the last two matches. Yo, uh, what year is it? Honestly, like how old is Danny Ings? Still, what is he? Twenty-seven now. I think he's twenty-seven. There's no way he should be at least thirty-six. But uh, they're really getting production from everyone on the team. Anyone they put in, like Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in the midweek. Scoring twice. Um, that that one goal. The, his the outside goal. of the foot off the bottom of the crossbar or something like that. Absolutely it, insane. Just just incredible from, from him. So, uh, you know, Chamberlain is not the same situation as well. Imagine you had him in the midfield at Arsenal. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice to have anyone creative in the midfield. But yeah. you know they don't currently employ someone who 
uh, could take that position considering they're only they're just throwing three hundred fifty thousand pounds a week in in the trash. So big big uh, performance, big win. Very, I think it's a one going to be one of their most important wins this season is Liverpool because you know they've they've had some rough performances the past couple of weeks, but they've found a way to win. You know they haven't looked their best. Um, and then to go against your biggest rival, Manchester United, and to um, only get a draw from that game and not really look good, not really get, get mostly outplayed for that game up until you know the final stretch of it, uh, and then to go into a, another big game against a Tottenham team who really needs a win, and you go down early, but they never panicked, and they, they, they got their win, and they, they don't... You know they don't give City anything uh, beyond just the two drop points last week. And uh, you know we talked on the European Knights episode about Spurs getting a result when um, Spurs getting a result when they had players. You know the players that look unhappy and seem un- unhappy were not in the lineup. Um, and a big uh, talking point after this game. Was, uh, was Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen was bad at Anfield, um, kind of disinterested. Uh, Gazaniga created more big chances than Christian Eriksen, one to zero. Um, Giovanni had a really good game. Yeah, uh, huge double save. Um, that you know kept Spurs in it, but. The uh, summer signing, Giovanni Lo Celso, completed just 11 less passes than Erickson against Liverpool. Lo Celso came on for Erickson in the 88th minute. Yeah. So, like, at that point, this is where you have to make that decision for Spurs. It's just like, guy doesn't want to be here. It's obvious. Play the. You just bought a couple midfielders. Um, for the future, it's time to start playing those guys more regularly. Play the guys who just got there, um, who want to be there. It's not worth playing Erickson. You know, you thought because first of all, he's not he's not doing anything for his price tag. He's not helping that in any way. Yeah. Um, you, there's also the contract situation where he might you, he might be leaving on a free anyway. You, you also, I mean, you got a new stadium. You know, you're coming off a year where you finished runners up in the Champions League. It's time to start turning things around. Yeah, um, and you know, I'm I'm scrolling through tweets right now uh, with just just search Erickson. It's like the upsetting thing about Christian Erickson is he's probably been Tottenham's most consistent midfielder in the Premier League era. His Spurs career appears to be coming to a sad end. Um, but then you have other ones like Dear Dele Erickson and Arier. Please fuck off from my club. So a uh, couple different moods there. But which is what you you get with every with every club, and it's it's always fun to watch the balance between those two. I like reading both of those. Yeah, out of the out of the, the more banter esque one, and then sort of. And uh, someone football. also gave Christian Eriksen a player rating of in, invisible slash Ozil. Um, a little bit banter there, but so uh, let me talk about that. Uh, let's address the the penalty for a second because at first. It was a good challenge from Aurier to get the ball off of Sadio Mane. But then he was just too lackadaisical. He was too slow. And he goes to clear the ball, and Mane already got got in front of him. And he kicks Mane and takes him down. And it's it's an easy call for Anthony Taylor there. Um, And Aurier is one of those players that has kind of uh, upset um, he's kind of upset Spurs fans. Uh, you know, as I just mentioned in that last tweet, he was included with uh, the uh, the Erickson criticism, but just they just seem to have too many individual errors in them. Yeah, and I think mostly right now that's what it seems to individual seems to be the problem with the team. Um, there's they're not it's a lot of individuals uh, out on the field, not not one unit. And, yeah. Uh, it, I mean, look, they're 
They're sitting at 11th. They have 12 points from 10 games. You know, they're four points out of the drop zone and eight out of the top four. So nowhere near where they want to be. Um, and it, 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 it's we're, we haven't even gotten into that tough period where, where you know, fixture congestion is going to start. Yeah, that's 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 coming soon. Yeah, so it's it's they really need to turn around and and look, no one was expecting them to beat Liverpool this week. Um, I think it was kind of they needed to put up a really good, strong performance against them, and it was. I mean, it was a it was a close game. It wasn't like Liverpool won handily, but again, you score a goal in the first minute. Um, and that's really all you get from the game, and Liverpool come back and uh, and take it from me. It's a it's it's a very disappointing uh, way for that game to have gone for them. Absolutely, and uh, you know the question marks still surrounding the future of Mauricio Pochettino. Unlikely that uh, Levy will sack him, but there's almost been that kind of disinterest from him that you see from some of the players. So. Um, it's uh, a bit weird, uh, it, weird times at, at Spurs, especially with the brand new stadium opening now. Um, it's just a lot going on all at once, and they need to figure it out sooner rather than later. Um, let's flip the script, go to Chelsea, a 4-2 win at Burnley. And the biggest thing from this game is clearly the Christian Pulisic hat-trick. He got the game-winning assist away at Ajax in the Champions League, uh, you know, crosses it over and is put home by Batshuayi, but now he does it on his own. Pulisic, three goals. He's the second American to score a Premier League hat-trick now with Clint Dempsey. What a turnaround it's been for uh, for Christian Pulisic, and now it seems that Frank Lampard can't leave him out of the side. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was... I think we kind of all got a little reactive to the whole situation where it took him a while to to come into the fold um but i think it's we look at it right now as it stands right now it's a long season we have no idea what the rest of the season holds for uh pulisic but it right now it seems to be a master class from frank lampard frank lampard and his handling of him because you know he is a like like he has said to the media multiple times he's a young player he's moving he's getting used to this league to um you know living in london you know he very much eased him in and he wasn't getting a lot of games um he opted to play you know like players like mason mount um ahead of him who had didn't play in the premier league but has played in england um and has been so so less of a transition for him to come in and also you know having played under lampard all last season so it was kind of an easy decision for lampard of course it it sucks for feels like that it took him so long to to kind of come into the fold but you know they played against newcastle he was involved in the goal didn't get an assist or a goal but he was the pass before the the assist involved in that play um was positive coming off the bench and then you have the ix game and you know he earned his start you know and like we talked about with spurs the the fixture congestion is coming up so like there's going to be some rotation um and you know he justified his manager's decision and He's starting to prove himself. I think it it's just a masterstroke from from Lampard and how he's handled everything. And now you look at Chelsea's um, attacking options. They, they for a team that didn't for a team that had a transfer ban, they look surprisingly deep because now you can play. Oh, do we play Pulisic and Willian and Hudson Odoi, or can you put Mount in there? And then we're getting other players back. And now you obviously have Abraham up top and Batshuayi, who's getting goals. Um, he has his options. It's the perfect, you know, problem to have as a manager. And I think when you compare kind of like, again, Mason Mount with someone who has played a little bit, at the, played a lot at the start of the season, you know, maybe it's time for him to come out just to get some rest because you don't want to play these young players too much. We've seen it before. I remember when Andreas Christensen was featuring regularly for Chelsea in Conte's second season he kind of burned out at the end. So you have to be very careful. Uh, Hudson-Odoi was, uh, had a great 
great run as he came in. He has three assists this season, but he, you know, he got a break and Pulisic came in. And I suspect Mount will will sit out a game at some point, and you know, uh, Frank will start to really rotate the squad. Now, do you think Mount's best position is out wide, or do you think he offers you more centrally, closer to a, a number ten type of role? I think he offers more centrally. Um, I think he can he can do both for you, but yeah, I think he he's very quick on his feet. It was actually funny. I remember watching the replay um, for the the second or for the first Pulisic goal because I had been watching it on my phone and I got the update that he scored before I even got to see it. So I was watching it as it happened, and I was wondering because Pulisic did something that actually Mountain does normally, which is press pretty high and nick the ball if someone's gotten goals that way and I was watching I was like okay when is he going to pass it to Pulisic and I realized that it was Pulisic but but Mount is always good in that area he presses high on those on those defenders and does a good job there whereas you know I think Pulisic is probably better out wide he came on in the one game and started off centrally but then he quickly moved moved out wide but um, and, yeah and we've seen we've seen Pulisic centrally uh for the U.S. as well um, and William and, can play centrally too. Yeah. Like if if he wants to rotate everyone around and and do it properly, I think he has the versatile, yeah. the versatility in a squad to to be able to do yeah. that. And if, if all those guys are on the pitch at the same time, and you know, uh, you know, say your fullback is getting used to seeing, you know, whatever. Say Pulisic's on the right, left back's getting used to seeing uh, Pulisic cut in or you know do something. Okay, now right. we're gonna move Pulisic to the left. Yeah. So whoever was central goes right. Uh, you know. Whoever is left goes central. You know, it just it gives you um, a, a more dynamic look uh, in the attack. And then, uh, you know, so Pulisic, the, the hat trick was 21st minute goals, 45th and 56th. William made it 4 0 in the 58th. But then, uh, they, you know, they were never in danger of uh, letting the points slip away. But two late goals for Burnley uh, has to be a blemish on this game. Um, Jay Rodriguez in the 86th, Dwight McNeil in the 89th. Um, Two great they, goals. And, Two. But it, it's something that, you know, as a manager, no matter how, you know how good the performance was leading up to that, that's got to be a frustrating look um, to finish the game off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when I was thinking about it, because going into the game, Frank had said, um, you know, as he got older as a player, uh, win streaks got more nervy for him because you know the the possibility of you know easing back and getting complacent and and dropping points. So he said as he got older as a player, those he became more wary of of win streaks, and that's what he wanted to instill in his team that like we cannot ease up at all. Um, and where a four nil victory would have been something a great confidence boost for this this growing defense to get another clean sheet. Um, I think it's just a reminder that you that you can't you can't ease up, and I think I think he would have he would have laid into the the team regarding those those two late goals and sort of kept them on their toes and kept them um, competitive moving forward. So it could end up helping them as long as they keep the right mindset. But rather than allowing them to sort of ease back after after such a comprehensive victory, but we'll, we'll say that they, they need to sort that stuff out and start getting more clean sheets. Now let's backtrack all the way back to Friday night. Um, I know I talk shit on Friday night football, but you did after this game as well, too. Yeah. To be fair, um, but Leicester City have broken the record for uh, biggest away win in English top flight history. Um, apparently, that's upsetting Maisie. She's a, a big Southampton, fan. big Southampton fan. She didn't want me to talk about it, but um, so nine nil. Uh, eight of those come against ten men, but Ben Chilwell scored in the tenth before Ryan Bertrand was sent off in the twelfth. He 12th. was sent off for the, I believe it was in the buildup for that goal. I think they went back and looked yes, at it. I believe. I remember watching. Are, it, I'm like, oh, that correct. was a bad tackle. Yeah. And they still ended up scoring. Then they went back uh, and. And the, the biggest thing about this match was the complete lack of interest from Southampton. Um, it just looked like they were. I understand you're playing with 10 men against a good side, but nine, nine goals, letting in nine goals. Even on the first goal, when they were at full strength, like Ben Chilwell kind of just, oh, that was bad. he bad just goal. got Ooh. there Ugh. so easily. With, he was never pressed. There, No one ever tracked him. And he just like taps it home. 
and it, 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 that's how your night is starting. It was never going to go well. But then to get the red card, um, Tielemann scores in the 17th. Then you have Perez in the 19th, Perez in the 39th, Vardy in the 45th, Perez with his hat trick in the 57th, Vardy in the 58th, Madison on a free kick in the 85th, and then Vardy from the penalty spot, hat trick 94th. And after each goal, um, I forget which Leicester player came out and said it. After each goal, uh, what's his? Uh, now, I, why am I blanking on the center back? Johnny Evans. Sorry, um, Johnny Evans was telling them like this: that nine's the record. Nine's the record. Like he, his research was done. Um, he was keeping them on their toes, and he. This was. It wasn't just a coincidence that they scored nine. They were going for this. Yeah. Um, and they did it in unbelievable fashion. It's incredible to me that there was a period in the second half, from the 58th minute to the 85th minute, there were no goals. Yeah. And they still scored nine. Five in the first half, so, four in the yeah. second half. Yeah, so you would have to, I mean, I guess maybe what Ralph Hassenhuddle said in his team talk at halftime, you know, I mean, I don't know, what do you say to that? You're down 5-0, you have to try and get some pride back, and I guess, I mean... They fought a little bit, but I've played. I've I've played in games like this. It was rainy. I remember. I, I so I was in college and I played IM soccer, intramurals, and like um, I remember I was signing up the team. I went. I was the one who went and signed up the team. And there was a guy in front of me. They had two leagues. They had like the A league and the B league. B league's more for like the people who don't really play. Like, and like oh, they're trying like to have one. fun. I like right, to yeah, play. Like, I'm not great. Right, yeah, we have, like, one kid who played high school soccer. The rest are just, like, friends and stuff like that. This guy goes to sign up, and he was like, he's like, okay, so should I do A or B? He's like, oh, um, and the guy was like, oh, do you have, like, did anyone play in high school? Like, yeah, we pretty much all did. Okay, so A is probably what you didn't want to do. And he was like, yeah, but can we, can we do B? So they signed him up for B. They ended up in our group. It was the final game of the regular season. We were both top of the group. And we needed to win to make the playoffs. And it was rainy, and I think we lost 6-0. And it was just cold and rainy, and I just remember being in that game, and, like, halfway through it, I'm like, can we just end the game? I don't want to play anymore. You know? And like, just that's, stop this that's, now, please. Yeah, and that's stop the misery. Just, and that's what I imagine it had to feel like for some of these Southampton players. And it showed because they they, they crumbled and they gave up, gave up uh, nine goals. Ah. Uh, Rough, and yeah. they're. I mean, they're in the drop zone. They're. This is going to be a tough season for them. I've. I. I predicted them to land much higher, just because I. I love what I've seen from Ralph Hassenhuttle and his managerial career before here. You know what he was able to do in Germany. The prospect of what he was going to do with Southampton. Southampton hires excellent coaches who end up going on to do good things. You know, Pochettino, uh, Kuman, who you know had that rough spell at Everton, but is now doing very well with the Netherlands. It's, uh, it's just, it's not working for them anymore. And I think we forget how small of a club they are, really. Yeah, just because um, they've been able to do so well for so long. and With with little money. Yeah. Um, it, it, oh, they're selling all their top. players and they're still finishing in the top half. Um, but now right. it's kind of been, like it's caught up with them. The mm-hmm. academy hasn't, not that the academy hasn't produced at all, but it, hasn't produced in the numbers that it did. Um, and of course, you know, you look at one of the players that's left recently, uh, Dusan Tadic is very much enjoying his time over at Ajax. So uh, a player of his caliber is gone um, from that club and, you know, playing in a different role uh, in the Netherlands now, really being used as a number nine instead of a number 10. But uh They've had talented players in this team, but they, there were calls to you know to sack Hassan Huddle after this. And for anyone that was calling to sack him, I completely understand it. I still don't think it would be the right move. I think the best chance for Southampton to survive and play Premier League football for another season is if you keep Hassan Huddle in charge. He, when he came in last year, he just he revamped the team. They looked a completely different side when he took over, and maybe that was just the new manager aspect. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see 
their reaction to this because it's easy for them to say, All right, I mean, it's not going to happen for us this year. And their response, they have to go to Man City. They play at the Etihad. Um, their next three matches are City, Everton, and Arsenal. So um, troubling times, and I don't think, regardless of these next three results, I don't think Hashin Huddle will get the sack unless their embarrassments like Friday night was. Yeah, and you have to you have to worry for him just because I think he's more of an expansive coach, um, and Southampton might need a more pragmatic approach to to how they play. You know, like one of those guys who will keep you in the league um, and set you up better defensively. Um, even though I do think what what he can do, you know, is probably best for them going forward. It, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, the thing is, like like I said, I'm looking back at Southampton in recent years. Like, you go back to 2008, 2009, they were relegated to League One. Then they finished seventh in League One. Then they got second and were promoted 2010, 2011. Then they were promoted from the championship that following year. So, like, they haven't really... like, And then, you know, they, they finished 14th their first year in the Premier League, and then they, you know, finished, like, eighth... Got as high as sixth, so like I think, like I said, I think we forget how where this club really was, and it's some that's why it kind of seems surprising now to see them with a performance like this and see them that low on the table. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be troubling times for them going towards the end of the season. Now let's uh, move on to one of the Sunday matches. Um, we are hopping around on days a little bit. We went what Sunday, Saturday, Friday, back to Sunday. But it's a London derby time, at the Emirates Stadium. Time is a concept that it, we don't need to... We don't abide by. We don't abide by calendars, time zones, um, really anything. Dog years. Big facts. Um, Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 2. A two-goal lead slips away from Arsenal. Uh, Socrates scores in the seventh minute. David Luiz in the ninth minute. Both center backs with goals inside ten minutes. And... Pretty much uh, at that point, you're like, all right, you guys both got the goals. Now it's up to you to uh, make sure that those goals win us this game. Not quite. Uh, Milivojevic scores a penalty, which he always does against Arsenal. Next time these two teams play, I will be putting a bet on him to score. Um, and then uh, Jordan Ayew in the second half, in the 52nd minute, knots it up. Arsenal had what they thought was the winner. Um, but Socrates' goal is called back. Let's talk about the penalty. Let's get the penalty grievances out now, because I remember I sent I was texting you guys during the you and Nick um, during the Chelsea game about Pulisic Tatric, and the first thing you sent to me was or for this game was a Socrates brace, and you said Pulisic who? Yeah, and then I got called. And back. then I got then two minutes went by, and I got another message saying how they how are they going to bring this back? And I was just cracking up because the banter banter levels were too, were too high at that moment. So uh, I mean, first off, the the penalty in the thirty second minute was originally given as a dive, Zaha yellow carded, and they went to VAR, pointed to the spot correctly. That was a penalty. Um, I thought Zaha was always going to trouble Callum Chambers. Callum Chambers has looked very good this season, but still, at right back, it's not his best position. And against someone with pace like that, uh, he tends to struggle a little bit. And he was too slow. Zaha gets around him and goes down. Um, and the penalty is converted. And then, uh, I, I think that, that penalty was straightforward. But the VAR decision... The VAR decision, I... Lower the the audio levels. We're peaking. We're peaking already. You haven't even got into it. The VAR decision is probably... You can tell me if I'm wrong based on what you've seen this season, but I think that is probably the worst decision we've seen from VAR. It's it's weird. So, like, you could argue that Spurs Man City when Jesus was called for a handball, but that rule is explicit. If... The ball touches your hand. It touches an attacking player's hand in the build-up to a goal. It's disallowed. That's why it was disallowed whether or not you agree That's the rule. Yeah, that's that's the rule. rule. This, we're told that it's supposed to be a clear and obvious error. So Socrates scores. The stadium goes crazy. There's not even a thought for a second that this goal could be disallowed. 
then you're looking at the replay and they're like, what are they going to do? Well, Take the goal away and call a penalty because Chambers was brought down? Oh, no, they're calling a foul on Chambers. They said that Chambers fouled Milivojevic. Right. Um, now, I've watched this replay maybe 20 times, and I would like to pose a question to the VAR official. What in the fuck did you see that made it clear and obvious that that goal should not stand? By the way, the VAR official has never refereed a Premier League game. Really? Yes, sir. Can't give you his fucking name because I don't fucking know it, but I know that's a goddamn fact. We're getting French on this podcast. Tell me me from a non-biased standpoint, what the fuck? this decision was about uh i don't know because it, it like th- there's a lot going on in the box at that moment and it seemed like it was one of those things that they you know they if they called it if they called it live like like it's like what oh i don't know about that and well. like but you wouldn't like you wouldn't really complain too much about it you know what i mean um just because it, there's a lot going on i mean it, it you know, players are falling everywhere. It's just like sometimes the ref calls that in the box and gives the benefit of the doubt to the defense or the goalkeeper. So I need to take a look at it. And I'm taking a look at it right now. I'm giving you live, live commentary. Socrates, of course, we all knew he was going to score two goals. Yeah. I, I put a bet on that and now I... I'm a millionaire now, so. So say, because uh, I, I want to get a closer look, because you guys were flipping out, and I was admittedly watching Tottenham, Tottenham Liverpool. Fair. I had both on because you know I'm a, you know I'm dedicated to the podcast. Yeah, I mean they get their legs tangled up, but it's it's not it's, it's not a clear and obvious thing for you to overturn. And but my whole From thing an, is I don't see. Even clear, even not in a clear and obvious way. I don't see how he, it could he goes possibly. Down he like I think they're like yeah. I don't know. It, it's I don't see it. They got tangled up, but like if it's a foul on anybody, it's a foul on Callum Chambers, not a foul by Callum Chambers. And had so, let's you know take a step back in hindsight and say. What if Socrates blasted this over the bar? I wouldn't be sitting here saying, oh my god, how the fuck did they not give that as a penalty? But right. but the decision that's made in that time, if you're going to call a foul in any team's direction, it's mind-blowing how that was called in Crystal Palace's favor. Yeah, it's, I mean, because look, they both get the ball... Yeah, cause you got you got Kuyate like kicking on Chambers, and Chambers is like behind. And then what, Milivojevic. Yeah, it's, and then he like kicks. He's like kicking him, and then that's why his foot maybe hits Milivojevic's foot for half a second, but still I'll tell like. You, yeah. Isn't there an instance in there where Chambers Chambers' foot gets stepped on? Yeah, it's like you're watching. It's like uh, you're looking at that. Even as a referee, you got to just be like. Yeah, no, you know what? Like, there's too much going on. I can't, I can't call that any which way. Yeah, and it's like it. You think if if it was the NFL standards, that call would stand. It would mm-hmm. not be overturned, and it would certainly not be confirmed, but it would stand. And my the whole thing is they showed they cut over to the sideline, um, over by the team dugouts at the VAR screen. The Premier League referees have the ability to go make the decision themselves. How the implementation they've, they've, of VAR in the Premier League is not working well. Now no, I know because I, well that's because because we've seen even in like Champions League referees will go and check it out. They're not they've like it seems like they've made the decision that they are never going to go over there and check it out uh, for the then, sake of time. Then why have it? Why is it even there? It's all for the sake of time. Because that's always the biggest thing is people like like old, like you know more old fashioned mindset about this is like oh it's you know it takes momentum out of the game doing this whole decision thing so then you know this makes it so it doesn't really take too much time or momentum out of the game but it also is greatly 
um, depleting its ability to do it correctly. Yeah, and in that situation, I'm, my my thoughts are, uh, okay, so he's telling Mar- Martin Atkinson he does the VAR thing, says it's a free kick. What is his mindset there? He's like, wh- how how in the fuck could they have called that one back? It's, like, I what did it, I? I think with referees, I've heard people say, like, I think it's an ego thing. Yeah, he doesn't make that call, so he can go over to that screen and he makes that decision and has to, and he's wrong. Then that's on him. If he lets VAR do it, it's on VAR. It's not on him. That's that was the VAR decision. He called it. He didn't call. Mark Axon is, you know, he's not in the wrong here. He called it a goal. VAR changed it. He didn't do anything about it. I mean, he could have done something about it, but he didn't. You know, like he sort of steps away, and it's it's not his decision. Which yeah. I don't know. I mean, and there's got to be an ego thing there. You know, saving face, or but you'd think there'd be an ego thing where the ref is like, no, I I want to be in charge of of what's happening. Yeah, and it's it's a whole situation for me where, um, you know, a, a game is called a certain way. It, every game is called differently, and it's called you know derbies are called differently than a match between. Uh, a match between Aston Villa and Bournemouth. Um, or actually, I'm. Um, never mind. Disregard that. But you know what I'm saying. So, like, a North London derby is going to be called differently than one of the matches this week, as in West Ham Sheffield. That's going to be. Are are those games going to be called the same? Absolutely not. And you know that because derbies are a little bit more heated. So why are we giving the decision to someone who's not actually calling the game? They're not in the stadium. They're not on the pitch, in the atmosphere, making each and every decision. I have no problem if that video assistant referee says, just go take a look at this. There might be a mistake in there. There might be a foul um, gonna, yeah, let, but, from but the I team that scored. You need to check, yeah. I think you need to check. I would, I'd rather have 60 seconds extra of... Of stoppage yeah. than no, have then have the wrong call than have whatever this turned out to be. Yeah, I think, and I think, um, you know, I don't think, and I don't think you're saying this. I don't think that they need to call, make decisions. I don't think making a decision such as this should, in any way, be dictated by the atmosphere of the game. Yeah. I think the only time where refereeing should change in this sort of situation, if it's a little, you know, it's more, uh, more physical and there are you know, more fouls and you have to yellow card some people early just to keep everyone in check. I don't think you should change how you call a, a situation like a goal decision based on no, being no. in the stadium. But I, but again, I don't think that this was a, this was the right call because it, 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 when it comes down to it. It has to be a clear and obvious error, and there was not one. And they, it that's the whole thing. There's been gray. so many situations where you're looking at that, where you look at it and you're like, okay, I thought that was clear and obvious, but they decided not to do anything about it. Fair play, play on, let's do it. And then this one where it's like, how, we're, we're really saying that this was held up to the clear and obvious standard? Yeah. No, I mean, well, look, the... What it all really comes down to is that the only reason that goal did not count, the reason Arsenal were unable to score and win the game was because Gary Cahill was in defense for Crystal Palace. That's what it comes down to. I mean... Uh, was he one of the center backs that scored on the day, Jared? No, he wasn't. No, he was not. Weird to see Gary Cahill man-marking Champions League final uh, center back partner of David Luiz yeah. for Arsenal and Crystal Palace. Weird to see. Uh-huh. Um, now the, uh, big, they, like there's, there was a couple different talking points, uh, in this one, but, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest is the Granite Chaka substitution. He was brought off in the 61st minute to be replaced by Bukio Saka. And he, there were ironic jeers, um, when his number went up. And because of that, he walked. He took the armband off and just kind of threw it in Aubameyang's direction. Didn't didn't hand it to him or put it on his arm like you are used to seeing. Um, and he walked. So him walking invited uh, more criticism than he was already gonna get. And he starts waving his arms like, "Yeah, give it to me." And then he just says, "Fuck off." So he's telling the Arsenal supporters to fuck off. And then he cups his ear again 
gets off the pitch, takes his shirt off, and goes straight down the tunnel. That is the Arsenal club captain. The fact that we're sitting here recording at 3.30 on Monday. This game ended over 24 hours ago. This incident happened over 24 hours ago. And Granite Shaka has not been stripped of the club captaincy yet. Is a little bit mind-boggling, but not all that surprising considering the state of Arsenal at the at the current time. Um, th- this is whatever you want to say about the fans. We can get into that in a second. Strictly speaking, from a player, especially the man who is the captain of the club, this is a completely unacceptable outburst from him. The ironic jeers, he's gotten a lot of stick. He knows it. I get it. I get his frustration, and I can't say that if I was in his position, I would have done anything different. You did that weeks ago. But his reaction absolutely means he should not wear the captain's armband again. Many people believe he shouldn't play for the club again, but one thing's for sure, he should not be Arsenal's captain anymore. It should now go to the vice captain, who is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, Now, from the fans, no matter what. That's that's what I want to talk about. No matter what, you you cannot be booing your own player. No, yeah. Like, I mean, you're right when you say that Granit Xhaka should shouldn't react in that way but i i mean i i don't blame him i you you're booing a player i've i've criticized granite shaka time and time again and his selection in the arsenal midfields uh throughout the season on this podcast there's one thing i've never one thing i've never questioned from him is his effort and his you know his importance to some of the players in the locker room he's apparently he's a great locker room guy he holds guys accountable and he tries and it really seems like he loves the club and when a player you know he he has struggled and as we know we've covered this game for a few years and followed it for even more confidence is an a enormous part of this game and when you're booed by your own fans when you're playing when you're you know being subbed off or anything it does nothing for your confidence and it's never going to help the club in any way because it's not going to help the player in any way and for you to boo a player like that, and ironic cheers and jeers for him coming off. Someone who is your club captain. It's 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 just straight up. It's disrespectful, and I don't blame him for how he reacted. And as you said, I know what you're saying about stripping him of the captaincy because it was a poor reaction. But again, you also said that you would probably do the same thing. Um, and the thing is, it's not his fault he gets picked. Every no, week. he doesn't pick himself. That's boo the manager. Clear. The manager is the one who keeps making these decisions. So don't boo the guy who you don't think should be playing. He's not the one who puts his name on the team sheet. He goes out and practices every week and tries to do his best, and that's why he gets selected because he's important to this team, whether it be you know skill wise or you know leadership wise. Boo the manager. So the the issue I have with this, the issue I'm I, I take in this situation is I. Am against the what the ironic jeers and the cheering was, you know, when his name went up. I am one hundred percent behind any person at the Emirates on Sunday that booed him when he did not hustle off the pitch in a game we needed to win. Arsenal needed to take three points from this game. They needed to take all three points. A draw, not an acceptable result. And he walked off the pitch and brought more attention on himself than he wanted. So the ironic jeers, I get that this is his reaction to that. Doesn't matter. You are the professional footballer. These are the fans who are paying money to be there. I get that they deserve criticism. But you are the captain of the club. And it's unacceptable for the captain of the club, not injured, to be walking off at this point in time, regardless of fan reaction. I, I mean, look, look I, I, I don't blame him, but I, I, I do see what you're saying. I mean, you're, you're going you're gonna to boo the player, and then you're going to get mad at the player for reacting to your boos. It's your fault that he's walking off the field because you decided to boo him when he, or boo him when he was on the field. Um, then and, uh, to put the, He put the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake by taking a shirt off and going straight down the tunnel. 
We have to get that trademarked. I feel like that's like your catch. That's I, your catch I go to it every every goddamn week, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah. But, uh, like, and Unai Emery came out and he did say uh, he was wrong. He shouldn't have done that, but we need to handle it internally. Um, and then he also would not confirm whether or not uh, Granite will still be the captain of the club. So um, it's certainly not a, uh, a huge backing of the player in that situation. But um, another, like like you did say, like the, the players at Arsenal love Shaka. They voted him to be the captain. Um, Lucas Torreira, there's actually photos of him in like tears. in tears. And he was turning around to the fans asking them why. Um, Bellerin put out a nice statement today, um, kind of, you know, just saying we need to work together towards the goals that we have. Um, yeah, but not, not maybe not the a good look for anyone really. Th- this no is, one... it's, it's certainly, uh, the, the banter era has continued on. Of course. Um, it's, yeah, it's. It's it's crazy, and you know there was the whole there was a whole storyline about them even picking the captains and who was named captains and how there was a team of captains and stuff like that. And now it's just going to continue on with this incident. But no one, no one really covered themselves in glory. Not the fans, not Granit Xhaka, and, and for other reasons, not Unai Emery. Um, I don't want to criticize him too much for saying we'll handle it internally, but I think you, you're handling it internally. You don't even come out and say, oh, he was wrong, but we'll handle it internally. You just say we're going to handle it internally and just leave it at that. Um, but that's their own way of – I'm not going to be too nitpicky on how he spoke to the the media after the after the game. Uh, good evening. And uh, <laughs> just uh, – Yeah, 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 yeah. Good evening. Good evening. And uh... <laughs> Mid-sentence. It's a tactical uh, message. Mid-sentence, good evening. You know, give him a statue. It was, <laughs> give him a lifetime had. contract and a statue. Yeah. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, but so that you know, that's that's the situation that Arsenal are in. Um, let's we round have, up. Uh, we have the Ozil situation too. Ozil uh, not even in the squad. Yep. Uh, Mkhitaryan has played more minutes for Arsenal Football Club this season than Mesut Ozil, and he has been in Roma since. Yep. Outplaying him by forty minutes. Um, impressive. Um. So let's uh, just do a quick roundup of uh, the rest of the results from the week. West Ham and Sheffield drew 1-1. Watford and Bournemouth with a good old nil-nil at Vicarage Road. Uh, apologies to whoever had to watch that one. At um, least you didn't watch uh, your and, beloved Southampton at home. Yeah, lose and it, at least you're not an Everton fan who watched Brighton win 3-2. An own goal or a penalty in the 80th minute, an own goal in the 94th, um, and all three points are Brighton's Norwich nil any day. Norwich lose to Man United at home three to one despite two saved penalties from Tim Krul. One from uh one was saved by Krul uh, on Rashford and then the other on Martial and Newcastle one one with Wolves at St James's Park. And you know before we finish it up, we got to do the specialty. It is time for Nick's betting bonanza. Never get tired of hearing that, hearing that little uh, little intro there from Nick. And shockingly, we're able to get him on for this week's betting bonanza. Welcome in, brother Nick. Oh, why? Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Now, uh, Nick, you're going to do the ten Premier League games, and as a bonus, I will be doing the eight EFL Cup round of sixteen uh, matches. So, Jared, wait a second. Nick, you sound different. You get a haircut? Oh, my God. I, I actually just got back from getting a haircut. That's incredible oh. that you could hear it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I thought that was different. You know what I mean? A lot calmer and less frantic. Yeah, of course. Jared. Zach, you were uh, saying. I was just going to say, all right, it's it's on to you to, to take over and, and lead us through this while we make our picks. Right, so... We have split up the picks. Uh, Nick is doing his usual of predicting the Premier League. Uh, and I, I love the first match of the week that Nick can already already get wrong is United playing away from home. I know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Match day 11. Uh, Bournemouth. 
host Manchester United on Saturday, November 2nd. So no Friday games this week, Zach. Thank God. No Friday, no Monday. So, Nick, who are you taking with uh, Bournemouth, Man United? So, here's the thing. Uh, I'm taking United, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to fuck me right off the bat. (laughs) But I'm still sticking with them. All right, so Manchester United. Oh, two is that two away wins in a row? Yes, that that's what that would be. Wow, wow, the world is truly coming to an end. The next game uh, is another one that's gonna be tricky here. It's Arsenal. It's not tricky. I'm picking Wolves. Emery Wolves. out. I'm not watching Arsenal until he is no longer the manager. I can't stand him. He's a goddamn nightmare. The best thing uh, to come out of his uh, leadership has been. Good evening. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good evening. How are the Emery years? Guy kind of looked like Dracula. We said good evening a lot, and uh, it's almost Halloween, so I'm going. <laughs> and we were I'm going. relegated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going Wolves because the club wolves. is a <laughs> club is a nightmare. He hasn't picked one lineup that I like. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt all last year. So. Uh, you finished in the top four and won the Europa League. We didn't finish Somehow. in the top four and yeah. lost the Europa lost. League final. Amazing. Yeah, fuck. Amazing. <laughs> Imagine, yeah, look at what a bad year is for Chelsea. Uh, Brighton travel to Norwich. Nope. Norwich looking... Norwich travel to Brighton. Ah. Norwich <laughs> travel to Brighton. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead uh, and take Brighton on that one. Yeah, Norwich have had a had a tough going recently. They've beaten Manchester City, and then they, they've only made that win look more impressive by losing to everyone else. Um, they need to get back on Man- the right track against the Canaries. Uh, no, I was talking about Norwich being off the track. Canary in the coal mine? Jesus sure. Christ. Okay. Next game. <laughs> Manchester City. I had a segue because I mentioned Manchester City, and then it just got thrown out the window. <laughs> Manchester City... Uh, they host Southampton. Southampton of nine nil fame, uh, except they're on the nil side. So, yeah, they're they're gonna lose again. It's gonna be ugly for a second time. Although the manager okay. and the players did donate their wages to charity, so uh, if you're a charity right now, you might want to start calling that uh, squad up. See if you get some <laughs> extra cash after they get blown out by Man City. Well, it would be quite the turnaround if they are somehow able to to win or nick a point off Man City. That would be it absolutely is, incredible. It would be, but it would be bad for the charities. So every yes. team that is playing and for Nick's for, pocket. Yeah, and for <laughs> the next game is Sheffield United host Burnley. Draw. There we go. I was wondering if there was going to be a draw in there anywhere. You know um, Nick doesn't like draws. Nick does not. Nick does not like a... Nick hates a draw. Um... The f- we're still on Saturday. A lot of games on Saturday. Yep. Yeah, it's wild. Are there only games on Saturday? <laughs> no, there's gosh. two Sunday games. I think the problem. I think the reason we're still on Saturday is because you're doing this so fucking slowly. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> next game is Villa host the league leaders Liverpool. Liverpool's gonna win. Next. Okay. Next, West Ham host Newcastle. Draw. Ooh, it's a, a match draw. that screams draw. It is. I mean, it's tenth place West Ham to seventeenth, or hosting seventeenth place Newcastle. Newcastle have had a good run of performances though, so that, that's going to be an issue. It's either going to be nil nil or three three. So All bet right. the over or the under. Yeah. Now Watford still without a win this year. Yes, five draws, five losses. They host fourth place Chelsea. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Chelsea on that one. Okay, so Nick is taking literally no risks. <laughs> Except for the draws, all draws are risks, and all picks are. He picked wolves. I picked wolves, which is, I mean, to beat Arsenal. Yeah. So, but here's he picked Man United away. It's it sounds like a risk, but I mean, come on, wolves, Arsenal. Okay. Oh, oh God, I'm gonna Sunday. Sunday will be interesting. Palace host Leicester City. Uh, Leicester's playing really uh, well right now, so I'm gonna go ahead and pick Leicester. Now the worst game of of the week, Everton host Tottenham. The it's a shit show derby here. Yeah, the I'm underachieving sure. derby. 
Here's what I have is uh, I think Tottenham is just going to edge by them four to one. <laughs> if, you one, combine, one for, if you it's combine, it's going to be one one for a long time, and then there's going to be a bunch of goals real quick. It's going to be a Harry Kane dive that he gets a penalty for, and then it's scores. Be an Everton own goal. <laughs> And then there's going to be at the end where Everton have everyone in the box, including the keeper, and it gets cleared, and it's going to be a worldie from the midway point. Unbelievable. I wish you could bet on that because the money you'd win, the returns would be astonishing. If you combine Everton and Tottenham's points, point tally this season, they would be below Man City on goal difference. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, now, way look, like, the way we're going with this and how delusional these – Bets get like Nick is probably going to place four hundred dollars on Marco Silva to score at some point this year. <laughs> it's absolutely going to after happen. he gets sacked. Except, except the yeah, except the thing is, he's going to score for Watford. <laughs> oh, now Marco looking... Silva, that's the guy. He's uh, they're doing a movie about Everton, starring Justin Theroux as Marco Silva. Oh my god, are they actually? No, but doesn't it kind of look like, like if it? He should play him if they ever it did. It seems too ridiculous for to be something that you made up. If Justin Thoreau and Ralph had a kid, nailed it. No one knows who Ralph is. If um, Justin Thoreau and Ralph had a kid, I'd like to be there when it's happening. All right, be pretty so, cool. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we tell? I don't know who the sound engineer is, but he, he's never heard of the word peak before. Exactly. I get excited, man. I'm sorry. Um, so we have United win, Wolves win, Brighton win, City win, Sheffield Burnley draw, Liverpool win, West Ham Newcastle draw, Chelsea win, Tottenham and Leicester victory. Now, have you put that into your app? Yeah, I have it in the app right now. What are you laying down on that? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, I usually put like a one or two dollars down on it. So if I put uh, if I put two dollars down on it. At a plus, uh, that's a big number, <laughs> plus 286314 Putting $2 uh, down would win me uh, $5,728.28. Sounds like a worthy bet, which I'm sure you will give to charity. Uh, I have to, yeah. now that I said it. Yeah. <sighs> if the Higher Education Authority of New Jersey is a charity, then yes. Of course. Now, Zach, on to the Carabao Cup. I like how we did it out of order. I like how we didn't even think about the fact that the Carabao Cup is absolutely being played like four days earlier. Um, sure, but we, the betting bonanza, the, the main feature is, is the we can really edit it This is just for post. fun. <laughs> Doug, you sure. think we edit? Yeah, we don't. Um, all right, Zach. Jack. Oxford United host Sunderland. Ooh, this match, I'm, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with the full-time result as a draw. Oxnard. Um, and <laughs> Sunderland will advance on penalties, but all I have to do is bet draw for after 90 minutes. All right. Now, the next one is, well, they're all at the same time, so let's just do Burton-Leicester City. Burton and Leicester. I'm taking the Foxes. Leicester are going through. Okay. Everton Watford. Everton Watford, the Marco Silva Derby. Watford went it away. Nice, good pick. From a Marco Silva goal. Yes, Marco um, Silva own goal puts Watford through. That is, yeah, that'd be scenes. Now we have Crawley Town versus Colchester. Crawley Town and Colchester, the two teams I do know so much about. Can I ask you a Colchester? Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to go with Crawley Town, and that is purely because they're the home side in this match. Thank you very much. On to the next one. I'm honestly trying to look up and see where these teams are, but there's so many different tables they could fall on. Uh, Man City, Southampton? You're questioning that. You're questioning that because <laughs> you're like, there's no way that Man City hosts Southampton twice in a week, and you'd be fucking wrong, man. They absolutely do. I am also picking Man City to beat Southampton. We're going to come back to that one and do the over-under on goals Southampton give up to Man City in a span of a week. Liverpool-Arsenal. Liverpool-Arsenal. Ooh, this uh, this one is a bit interesting as I accidentally slap my mic as a bug flies into my face. Apologies there. Um, this podcast is full of great content. Liverpool at Anfield. I'm not overthinking it. Let's do it. 
All right. Um, Aston Villa host Wolves. Listen, man, I've only picked one penalty shootout. We know that's uh, we're going to have more. That's going to be another draw after 90 minutes. Um, I think... I think Wolves go through on penalties, but uh, picking a tie, picking picking a draw there. Okay. Now the final one is Manchester United go to Chelsea four nil the beginning of the season. Now we have a home fixture for the Blues, who look better, and Manchester United look worse. What are you going with on this one? Um. See, the pressure is on United in the league, but a good cup win could, uh, you know, bolster the confidence. So I'm going to say that Manchester United get a win at the bridge in the cup. Wow. All right. So to recap, we have a Manchester United, Wolves, Liverpool, Manchester City, Watford, Leicester. I believe it was, did you pick Oxford? Uh, or you pick Sunderland? Draw. A draw. And that's that's all you need to know for the betting, right? Yes. Okay. And then Crawley Town, Colchester, you went with Colchester, I believe, correct? Uh, Crawley Town, my friend. Oh, Crawley Town, okay. Ooh, now, you, how much are you laying down on this Carabao Cup? One measly dollar. Um, the odds are plus 171,136, so not quite the odds that Nick is going with for his 10-leg. But $1 will return $1,661.02. Wow. So uh, now I want to do something even bigger. What is why are you are you doing all of them to see? I want to do the eighteen leg to it see not, what the it odds are. It will not are. let you do it. It won't let you do it. No, it will not. Why? I don't know. I don't work for them. Did you try to do it and it didn't let you? Yes, it says some of these cannot be combined. It said you're high. <laughs> um. Well, I'm gonna try it on bet three six five and see see where I get. Give me one second for that. Over under. On the on nine goals for Southampton to concede against Manchester City over under. What during the week, or during? No, no, the whole both games they play each other twice in the league and in the cup. Will they get a combined over or under nine goals against Southampton? Over. Zach. Can I can I put it right at nine? No, 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 because it, it's an over-under. Yeah, it's an over-under, guy. Yeah, so you should have gone with like an 8.5 or a 9.5 so that I could... I picked 9 because that's what Leicester scored on them. Yeah, Leicester didn't score 8.5 goals on 8.5 goals, dipshit. You guys clearly don't know what over-unders are. I'll go over as well. All right. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go surprisingly under. It's literally like illegal for Jared to talk about betting because he's in California. Right, like he's not. he's not supposed to be mentioning this. He not at I all. just picked. I didn't put anything. I just said I thought they're going to score less than nine goals. What are you going to do? Um. So with uh, bet three six five, there, Nick, you're right. I can't do the eighteen, but uh, there's a fourteen leg uh, max, and if I were to do my eight Carabao Cup picks along with six of Nick's, um, the six that I have chosen are. Let's see. Man United to win, Wolves to win, Liverpool to win, Brighton to win, City to win, and a draw between Sheffield and Burnley. One dollar on those 14 matches would pay out $102,626.93. I mean, you want to make it $2? I'll bend money a dollar. Oh, my gosh. Jerry, you want to make it three? Um, No comment. Jared, Venmo me a dollar. And you're in I'm on, on this. Re- I'm on the record. I'm on the record. I can't. Nope. Jared, you're in the state of New Jersey right now, right? You just don't have a betting app. We talked about the fires in California that I'm dealing with driving through earlier this morning. I don't think I'm in New Jersey. All right. Two dollars it is. Bet. Be bets really placed. Be when we don't get the we don't get to share any of our hundreds of thousands of dollars with you. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's cool. No big deal. Me and Nick are trying to. Win one hundred and two thousand dollars, and that's exactly what we're gonna do. Should I cash out? I can cash out for full 
uh, full refund right now. You think Slavia Praha is going to be Barcelona or what? Thank God you brought that up, but uh, Nick, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you so continue to scroll through the soccer bets that you can make and lose plenty of money. I swear to God, if we if you lose on the Bournemouth Man United game, you're fucking fired. I know that's. It's like I got seven out of ten the first time, and then from then on, the first game I picked was the shit show. Yeah, I got seven out of ten last week, so I'm assuming I'll get none of the eight results I picked. <sighs> well, it's been a pleasure, boys. Hope to have you again soon. All right. All right, and there you have it, the betting bonanza for the week. Let's see if uh, Nick can pull his specialty and lose on match one. Um, As always, it has been a pleasure, my man, uh, the theater thug. I'm excited to see what I am next week. Uh, I will come up with several options, and they will all be just as disappointing as this one was. Um, but make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FootyAdo. We are always uh, updating our links and posting for uh, you know new episodes each week, sometimes two each week. Um, make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you love listening on. Uh, that will help us to be seen by more listeners, heard by more listeners, really. Seen, heard. Well, they see it. They see it on their feed, and they click on it. They see it. They hear it. You know, they they do it all. Um, but as always, Jared. Pardon our French. <laughs> <laughs>